0: Hi everyone, this is Marcia, and I'm the director and founder of the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival. I'm thrilled and elated to announce the birth and launch of our brand new podcast, Cocoa Pod. Consider the aromatic Cocoa Pod, and how, after carefully ripening under the Caribbean sun, it generously offers up its rich fruit in due season. Cocoa Pod by BCLF aims to provide a similar delight. Each episode is a seed, a nugget of an original Caribbean story told in the voice of its writer. Each story, an infinite gift by the offshoot of an ancient griot tradition. As a whole, Caribbean stories are like a mighty tree whose branches extend offering shade and comfort wherever her children settle. From my team and the legion of Caribbean writers behind us, we bring to you the warmest of welcomes.
1: The boy's arriving at two and still you're not dressed? Rosa had not wished to be found. She was in the stable, wearing her brother's old trousers, preparing her horse for she had planned not to return home until evening. The young man they expected that afternoon was Madame Bernadette's nephew, and Rosa still had no interest in meeting him. In the preceding weeks, there had been a flurry of communication between Madame Bernadette and Rosa's parents. Madame Bernadette had told Mamma and Papa that her nephew would have been far more keen if he were coming to meet Eve, Rosa's oldest sister, but said, Rosa will do for now. In anticipation of the meeting, the nephew had asked a schoolteacher from his village to write... On his behalf, two letters of introduction, one to Rosa's father and the other to Rosa, telling of his interests, fishing, carpentry, farming, and wishing to hear more of hers. Rosa never read the letter, she, as she called it, so Mamma and Eve responded in her stead. They wrote of Rosa's industriousness, of her brilliance with the horses, of her desire always to learn. Nothing of her beauty, she'd overheard Papa asking Mamma, It's best if we do not build her up too much, Mamma had said. I know Bernadette has given the boy an earful. He needs a wife who can work hard. That's what Rosa can offer him. She is pretty. You know this, see? Rosa had been certain Mamma did not see her in this way. As she listened to her parents, she could not recall a moment when her mother regarded her face as though to admire it rather than critique it. Demasa, I know how the world sees Rosa. It will do her no good to be told she is lovely here and to be shocked when people do not respond to her in the same way they respond to girls like Eve. Not being prepared for the cruelty of the world can crush a child. Can crush a child. Had crushed a child. Madame Bernadette said he is a prompt young man, Papa said now, pretending not to take note of Rosa's displeasure. This was what he would do until just after lunchtime, when Rosa would make sure he could not do so any longer. Your mamma will die of embarrassment if you don't put on a proper dress. Papa's trousers were pressed and the vest he wore was fashioned out of something familiar that Rosa could not then place. Your mother's expecting you to help with lunch. No man will wish to marry you if you can't prove you're a good cook. Rosa remembered her brother Jeremiah saying once that he believed he was born in the wrong era. Too late along the spectrum of human development to take pleasure in the things he loved most. But as Rosa reflected upon his words, she could not imagine an error when she would not have suffered the same fate or worse. She sometimes felt she'd been born not at the wrong time, so much as in the wrong body or with the wrong mind for her body. Listen to yourself, eh? I have only 16 years. I have no interest in this at all. Rosa unlaced the saddle and Papa removed it from out their stallion. And what about your mother? Papa said. Rosa knew what papa was doing. Mamma had been fighting some or another ailment nearly every day since the English arrived. She was not a frail woman, but she seemed to carry the collective weight of the family strain. She had been papa's consoler and strategist, had been persistent in her assurances to Eve that they would marry her off well, and had gone as far as to issue a call to all the gentlewomen she knew on Eve's behalf. She worried always about Jeremiah's, how much he would make do how he would make do with so little, all while watching the country to which she'd chosen to emigrate become less and less worthy of the risk she'd taken. The strain of living in Trinidad, Mamma had said, was sometimes too much to bear. The English were growing more fearful of being outnumbered by the same Africans they were illegally importing, and the continual enforcement of arcane Spanish laws bordered on the absurd. And so the thought of Rosa marrying... The thought of a proper wedding to plan, of more grandchildren, had not only lifted mamma's spirits, but also lifted the veil that had befallen their home. Was Rosa willing to undo that sweet bit of goodness? The young man arrived promptly with his uncle, Madame Bernadette's eldest brother. The uncle was a hunched man with eyes milky like pearls. He called out before opening the gate, "'Rendon, we come!' Papa met them at the palms while Rosa watched from the window, the insides of her belly swimming. As Papa escorted the two men inside, Rosa heard the uncle mention the peculiar sidelong glances he'd been receiving from the newly arrived Englishman and the additional questioning by constables. Papa had told him that after they got through talking about Rosa and the boy, they'd discuss all them Englishmen's nasty ways. Papa brought the men to stand before the table, which was well appointed with a white lace cloth and one red bougainvillea centerpiece. Eve had set the table for five before leaving. Most Sundays Eve attended noon mass, but with the church under repair, she was instead sent to lunch with a friend, but it was presumed she would have been a great distraction. Before she departed, however, Eve had fixed Rosa's hair into a ball that sat like a tight floating fist and it helped Mama prepare coconut pone. Eve had also grated fresh ginger into the top of a jar that held eight servings of ginger beer. She'd peeled potatoes, sliced carrots, collected figs, chopped onions, and cleaned the scales off the fish. The only thing left for Rosa to do was to add water, salt, a dash of pepper sauce, and drop the fish into the pot at precisely the right time to avoid its overcooking. And oh yes... Of course, Eve told Rosa she would also be required to smile. Take the apron away from your clothes, Mamma whispered, patting down the flyaway strands of Rosa's hair. Rosa shoved the apron beneath the table as Mama took the old man's hand, greeting him as if they were long-ago friends. Mama brought the young man to stand before Rosa, rolling her R, introducing him as Lamec, Her French accent perfect for the name's rigid ending. Lamec bowed, his eyes surveying Rosa's as if to seek her approval. Rosa was surprised by this, surprised he had not grimaced or sneered. She suspected that the allure of the land and the sweet neighs of her ponies in the stable made him look kindlier upon her. Pleasure, she said, curtsying, as Mama had asked her to do. Lamech had soft-looking hands, not exactly farmer's hands, and thread-thin lips and smelled of bestial soap. He was not an ugly boy, though he looked nothing as Rosa expected. His aunt was a heavy woman, with a red tinted face book ended by dimples. He, on the other hand, was wiry, his complexion like tea with half milk, and one could not be certain when taking in his features if his father was indeed a full Frenchman, for Lamech had a strong, wide nose, a nose Rosa knew would not have been good enough for Mamma if he were coming to meet Eve. Sit, sit, s'il vous plait, Mamma, said showing Lamech to his seat at the table, Rosa's seat, and she offered him a cup of ginger beer and a few slices of ripe mango while Rosa went to the back of the house to tend to the soup. Rosa hated fish broth. No one had asked what she wanted for lunch, and if they had, fish broth wouldn't have been it. She hated the two large potatoes, how long it took the carrots to cool in her spoon, she hated green figs and the fish eyes that every other Rendon sucked with fervor. She hated that hot soup could be served on the muggiest day of the year and hated that this boy man, Lamech, was in her house, in her chair, making ready-to-eat soup he believed she cooked especially for him. La Mec, she said, mocking her mother's French accent. Rosa opened two full jars of Mama's homemade pepper sauce, a spoonful of which made grown men wager on who would perspire most, and she poured the contents of both jars into the pot, hitting the containers on their bottoms to be certain it was all added. She brought in the bowls atop a large wooden tray, Rosa also overheard her father preparing their guests for a most spectacular meal. Lamech rose to help her. Mamma looked on, impressed at the young man's act of benevolence. Rosa could only think what a bore he would be when he overtook their land and took up permanent residence in her chair, pining to sniff Eve's undergarments and bossing mama as though he actually owned the blasted place. Rosa doled out the broth, placing spoons next to each bowl, and poured more ginger beer for Lamech and his toothless uncle. No wonder Madame Bernadette had told them to prepare soup. Rosa took Eve's seat across from Lamech and he watched her as she sat. "'watched her as she sipped from her cup, "'watched her as she listened to Papa, "'who would not stop speaking "'of the tour of the property they would take after lunch, "'of how critical Rosa had been to the maintenance of the land, "'of how much Rosa knew of horses. "'And Rosa was certain Papa would have continued, "'except Mamma reminded Papa then "'that the soup before them was growing cold. "'Oh, oh, si, oh come come como por favor,' Papa said. "'Rosa sipped from the cup again.' and glanced at Lamech over its rim. He sniffed the contents of the bowl, his eyes narrowing before taking up his spoon. But it was Lamech's pearly-eyed uncle who slurped the soup first.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to follow CocoaPod and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss new stories when they drop. One last thing, Caribbean stories and Caribbean writers need our help. Show your support by sharing and downloading this podcast as far and as widely as you can. Buy their books, support independent bookshops, and request Caribbean titles from your local libraries. Remember that a rising tide lifts all ships. Give thanks. For more Caribbean storytelling goodness, follow Cocoa Pod and BCLF Always Lit on all major podcast platforms.